0: I uh, just want to thank you we've been here before so if you are new to visiting and this is uh, uh, your first or second time here and uh, you're used to Pastor Cory uh, my name is John I pastor out Bible Church like I said we stole an idea from you guys when we came it was uh, maybe when our youngest was one two years old so it's been a couple years he's four now um, but basically uh, busy bags. You guys have busy bags for kids. And we, my wife saw that and she was like, man, that is an excellent idea. So she designed some of those for our church. And so you ministered to us from that. Thank you. Um, so I think, uh, I'm supposed to read the text and then we'll get into the message, right? Which is what I wanted to do anyway. So that's good. So can I just, is this my time now? is this it all right perfect excellent uh how long does pastor cory normally go 50 minutes about about 50 minutes okay okay very good i think that uh can you turn me up just a little bit i saw a couple people might be having trouble so how's that is that better okay Excellent. Great. So uh, the title of today's message is Spiritual Amnesia. You'll find it in your copy of God's Word. I hope you brought one. Um, if you did not, you can do your best to follow along with me. I don't know if they're going to have it up on the slides or not, but Second Peter is where we're going to be. Second Peter 1, 1 through 15. And uh, there's four things, basically, that I want to cover with you. So I'm going I'm to tell you what I want to tell you. I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I told you. Okay? And so the the four things are basically this. So if you're a note taker, you can feel free to jot this down if you want. If, if I go too fast for you, I'll try to hit them again at the end. Uh, basically, uh, what I think God laid on my heart to bring to you from this text this morning is this. One, you've obtained a righteousness by faith that is full of divine power to live for Christ. You have obtained a righteousness by faith that is full of divine power to live for Christ. And I don't know about you, but that's exciting for me. Secondly... Since you have it, make every effort to exercise it so that you bear much fruit. Again, I don't know about you, but the goal of my life, the reason for my existence is to glorify my Father in heaven and to point other people towards him and by that bear some fruit uh, for what he has given me. Third is the way to do this is to keep the gospel paramount so that you never take it for granted. Hence the title of today's message, Spiritual Amnesia, and we're going to look at where we might be suffering from that. And then fourthly, if you do this, you will grow, you will prove yourself true, you will be a reminder to others. That's the outflowing of this. So without further ado, let's read God's word, shall we? Second Peter 1, 1 through 1-15 says this. I don't know what translation you guys normally use. I'm reading out of the ESV. Um, So you'll have to uh, translate that if you use a different version. Uh, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. O Gracious God and Father, we are here joined together by the fidelity of the gospel of Christ Jesus to bask in the glory of your presence. We thank you for the preparation of our hearts to hear and apply your word this day. We with humility because of our wretched feebleness boldly approach you today On your throne, O King, only through the admittance of the blessed blood of our Lord, your Son, the Christ, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and grace. Your mercy that was purchased by your sacrificial death on the cross, and your grace that is extended to us because your sacrifice was acceptable and perfect as evidenced in your resurrection. Oh God, might the mystery of the gospel kindle within us a fire of zeal for your namesake. Oh, the wonder that you, the Most High, Holy God, would care for us so dearly as to send us to yourself, send us of yourself in your Son, Jesus, to suffer and die on our behalf so that we might live that he would suffer the full measure of your wrath, that we might obtain forgiveness and restoration with you. And more, you send us to dwell within us, your very spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you might now quicken our hearts and our minds to grasp with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. God, do this even now, this very hour. Amen. So I'd like to pose the question at the beginning of this, are you suffering from spiritual amnesia? And perhaps you think, well, what does that even mean? What does spiritual amnesia even look like? Well, uh, you know what amnesia is, probably, but if you don't, the dictionary describes amnesia as a partial or total loss of memory, of one's memory. Perhaps you've ever been around somebody or you have a very dear loved one that you might intimately know who has suffered from amnesia or perhaps maybe Alzheimer's disease. That disease is devastating. Sometimes people forgetting even their most close, dearest loved ones. Well, as we ask the question, are we suffering from spiritual amnesia, I pray that you might allow the text to answer that question rather Uh, than your own experience. So he starts in verse 1. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice that he uses his old name. He's Simon Peter. This is the same apostle who has the new name, Peter. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like the old John. Sometimes I have to go back and think to myself, is that old John really dead? Because he seems to show his ugly head over and over again. I want to be the new John. I want to have the new name all the time. But I'm so thankful that I can remember that old John and what God has done for him. That he is no longer there. So he uses his old name, Simon Peter. And he also says he's a servant, a slave. He is under compulsion of a new master. His master is no longer himself. And he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. So here's the guy. Here's his introduction. Simon Peter. You know him. We love him. Right? The hard-headed apostle who always seems to get corrected because he's overly zealous for Jesus. Doesn't really understand the mission, but is all out for it. Right? This is this guy. And then he says, to those who have obtained the faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Who have obtained, who have owned it. Uh, In fact, this is kind of by casting of lots. And so we need to understand this morning that you don't earn salvation from God. There's nothing so great about you that that God looked down from heaven and said, well, that's one that I've got to save. That's not how it works. And Peter knows this. And I would think that if you look back at, at even your week this last week, you might have to agree with this. There's nothing exceptionally great about any of us where, where we deserve this, but this is something we've obtained by his divine choice. And we've obtained it only by faith. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, of equal standing, Peter, you walked with Jesus. You talked with Jesus. He called you away from your profession. He, you were his hands and feet for three years. And you can say that I have, have received equal stand with Jesus that you have? Peter, what a blessing for you to say such to us. By the righteousness not of our own though, right? By righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. And then he pronounces this blessing. But I have to stop right there for a moment, even in the first verse, to say if you have not obtained salvation, the rest of this sermon doesn't matter to you. If you're here this morning and you don't know if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, I would beg you, do not let the day go by before you work your faith out with fear and trembling. So I'm going to give you a very quick version of the gospel because I don't don't know you. And I pray that Pastor Corey is doing the same thing to that church at Allegan Bible. See, the Bible says that we are born dead in sin. That there is no righteousness in us. There is no goodness in us. Sin is anything we think, say, or do that is against God's word. So therefore, all of us are guilty of sin. The Bible also says that if we've broken his commandments in even one spot, even the least of these, then we're guilty of all of them. People don't like to talk about it nowadays, but the unfortunate thing about that is is if we are sinners, and we've just established that all of us are, that we only have two options. Hell is one of them. Eternal damnation, separation from God because he justly punishes sin. Or salvation through Jesus Christ on his cross who took the wrath, who took the punishment, who paid the penalty so that you, yes, even you, might be forgiven and ushered in to his kingdom. And so if you have not received that gift, not something you can earn, but something that is freely given because of his love for you, yes, he has a life for you to live from then on. But if you haven't received that, I beg you, focus on that for the remainder of our time together. Pour your heart out before God even today that he might save even you? But for those of us who have obtained it, oh, beloved saints of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for those of us who have obtained it, the rest of the sermon is for you. And so I, I pray that with open hearts and ears, you would hear this because he pronounces at first a blessing. He's May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. This grace and peace is this word uh, charis, it means kindness, this goodwill and peace, freedom from worry, this perfection that we are all working towards that we can't do but God is working in our own hearts. He says let it be multiplied, it's this plethora, which is, you know, the idea of this cornucopia is where my mind goes, where the foods are just spilling out. It is overflowing. This idea of this plethora of grace and of peace, he's saying will be multiplied unto you because this is an equal standing with Christ that Peter has, the apostle. And then he says knowledge. Now there's a couple kinds of knowledge that we're going to talk about today. This knowledge is more or less uh, to be Interested in or understand information. An old preacher once told me that the distance between heaven and hell is 18 inches. Perhaps you've heard that illustration before. And the eighteen inches between heaven and hell is the distance from your head to your heart, because you might understand it experientially or you might understand it logically but not have experienced the saving power of Jesus Christ. So as we move on in verses three and four, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence. Firstly, it's His. It's Jesus' divine power, right? I think we've established that already. But understand this, it's divine power. Um, When I got out of high school, I went into the Air Force, I was in the Air Force National Guard, and uh, they gave me a big sign-on bonus, and I did what any probably young man would do, I went out and bought me a nice big pickup truck, and I slapped some 36-inch Mickey Thompson's up, put a nice chrome bull bar on the top of it, it was electric blue, I took it mudden, almost flipped it one side, Uh but it was excellent, okay? Excellent, that truck had power. But brother, it paled in comparison with this. This is divine power. Holy Spirit imbued, Jesus Christ, God-given power. He says it's granted to you, officially. You possess it. And it says all things. I don't know about you, but as I was reading this, that again stirred my heart that he has granted to us all things that pertain pertain to life and godliness meaning by the way that there is no conversation I will ever have with my wife that I cannot be godly in there's never a conversation with my child where I cannot be godly in there's never a conversation with my my boss in my secular job right or who's who's a jerk all the time that I cannot be godly too There's never a conversation with my sister who doesn't know the Lord yet, who is very catty on the phone with me when we're talking about the things of mom, who I cannot be godly to. Do you understand the power he's given us? That it is now our choice to sin? He's given us power to live everything that pertains to life and godliness. And we can grow in that through the knowledge of him who has called us. So, the more you know the gospel, the more you understand and apply the gospel, the greater this power becomes. The more clearly you see it, the more easy it is to practice. By which, in verse 4, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. I'm gonna read this again. Allegan Bible doesn't do this either, but I tease them too. This would be a great spot for an amen. Are you ready? I'm gonna slow pitch it to you. Don't don't feel obligated, I know. I, I said that in half of you, I could hear like the anxiety settle on the crowd. That's okay. This is what he says, what we have been given, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises. Amen. Amen. So that through them you may become partakers of his divine nature, of, of the divine nature. Amen. Are you kidding me? We get promises and divine nature, and we get power. Is there anything, Lord, that you have withheld from us? And he says in the text, no, this is everything for life and for godliness. Remember, it's the cornucopia, the plethora of grace and of peace that has been poured out upon you. Why are we more excited? Christians should be the most excited people you've ever met in your life. Yeah, that's another good spot. They, yeah. This is the gospel purchased In position, redeemed and reconciled. Beloved, when is the last time that you have spent marveling at the magnitude of this mystery that is the message of the Bible? There's your alliteration for the day. I mean, when is the last time that you have woken up in the morning, grabbed your coffee, and sat pondering the magnitude of a holy God? so holy that the the angels that are closest to him in heaven may not even gaze upon his glory. And they are so dumbstruck with with his magnitude that all they can utter is, holy, holy, holy. And that that God would deign to come down and take on human flesh for somebody like us. I mean, when is the last time you've simply basked in the truth of the gospel? Do you feel the weight of his glory? Do you comprehend the depths of our own depravity? You know, the difference between Hitler and me is only God's saving grace and his opportunity to sin. Do you consider the fullness of the wrath that God bore because of you that Jesus took on the cross? I hope and pray that you are left dumbstruck by the gift of receiving justification. And perhaps you've heard this before, but justification, what does justification mean? Any old Sunday school lessons in here that you can go back to? Justification means just as if I have, never sinned right but you know what else justification means (laughs) just as if i had always obeyed because jesus's obedience is attributed to your account as well it's not merely you're clean now it's not merely he's wiped it away it's that your account is full bill gates full y'all do you understand the plethora that is bursting out of you? All things pertaining to life and godliness that been poured out into you? And he goes on. The text isn't even done yet. And neither is the sermon. <laughs> For this very reason in verse 5. So let, let's back up, right? So, so let's understand what he's saying. Because of the gravitas, a so good Greek word, right? The weight, the measure of the gospel. For that reason, now, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and and he goes on. We're going to cover those in just a minute. Do you understand why in this text now he says this? Peter gets it, man. Peter understands his depravity and his lostness and his hopelessness apart from from Christ. Do you remember this Peter denied him three times after walking with him for three years? That's this Peter. And he says, for that reason, because of this gospel, because of that Jesus, because of that God, because of this sinful man, for that reason, make every effort, press yourself. It says, bring to bear with every eagerness. So, uh, when I was eight or 10 years old, my oldest boy right now is nine. Um, do not do what I'm about to tell this. Okay. Don't do this. But when I was nine or 10, it's okay. It's not sinful. Mom's looking at me like, you shouldn't even share that. No, it's okay. It's all right. Uh, here's what I did. Okay. So I was probably around eight to 10 years old and, uh, we had a big backyard. We lived on, I think it was like five acres or something. I had a fort also. And, uh, I went out to the, farm, and I took a shovel and I dug a pit Uh, Because I wanted to have an underground fort. Uh, It wasn't an underground fort. It was a big hole, but I thought it was an underground fort, right? I mean, it was underground for me. And so basically, it was a five by five by four. So it was five foot wide by five foot long, so square, and then four foot deep. As a 10-year-old, I did it in one day with a shovel. Yeah, and I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this to say, did that little boy make every effort to have an underground thing? You better believe he did. It was summer, by the way. That's the reason I had the time to do it. I remember because I didn't, I didn't, uh, my wife would say I was spoiled. She's probably right. But I remember because my dad came home, my mom said, go see what your boy did. And usually that's not good, right guys? Right. Usually that's not what you want to hear. But, but she said, go see what your boy did. And he went out and he saw this hole and he said, well, you know what, why? You know, I said, I wanted to have an underground fort. And he said, for it to be underground, it has to be, it has to have a roof. He said, let's get in the car. We're going to go buy some plywood. He saw by effort. He was proud of the effort that I put in place. When I was over in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, I went over there for just a short period of time. This is when I was courting my wife. Uh, I saved every dollar, almost. I went to, there's The people will come in and you can buy their trinkets and their wares and stuff like that. So I was over there for probably three months. I saved every single dollar. And that was difficult because all these other guys come back from the bazaars with bootleg movies or with like, you know, all this different cool stuff, you know, knives and whatever, what have you, right? Precious gems and all kinds of stuff that these guys are coming in to sell. I saved every single dollar because when I came home, I was either going to get one of two things. I was either going to get a motorcycle or an engagement ring. I've never had a motorcycle. <laughs> but I took every single effort. Perhaps you're familiar with the TV, one last one. Perhaps you're familiar with the TV show Biggest Loser. And you see the transformation that those people are making. They come in obese, and they leave healthy. It's because they made every effort. This is what Peter is saying. If you understand the gift, if you understand the giver, if you understand the heart of the recipient, you will dig. And so he goes through this list. Because you have a copy of God's Word, you can study it more on your own. We will go through it quickly for sake of time, but he goes through it with virtue, which is simple morality. I don't know about you, but the first thing I did when I became a Christian was I tried to cut back on my cursing, right? That's simple morality. Or knowledge. I don't know about you, but when I first became a Christian, I wanted to go to Bible studies. I wanted to read the Bible now. I wanted to know the rest of the story in between just the big ones with David and Moses and, and those kind of things, right? Like I wanted to know the Bible, like Haggai, right? Wasn't that it? Or Habakkuk, which was the one? I was, yeah. yeah. Uh, Self control. I'm still growing on that, my wife will tell you, right? Obviously, but but I have more self-control now than I did when I was just a baby Christian, because I'm seeking to grow in that. Steadfastness means this patient endurance. Getting married helps, doesn't it? <laughs> having kids brings you to that next level. Careful. Your wife's not here, right? Is that where she's that's so then you're safe, right? So, having kids brings you to that next level of patient endurance, right? And then as you age, having illnesses, watching your friends pass away. Godliness. This could be translated right doctrine, belief and practice. Hopefully you're growing in your understanding and application of the Bible. Brotherly affection. You probably know this already. I'm sure Pastor Corey tells you the Greek all the time. You guys are probably scholars. This is Philadelphia, right? Brotherly love. And then you have the big one agape, selfless love. Would you, brother or sister, would you be able to look Jesus in the face today and say, I am making every effort to grow in these things? I mean, every effort to look the Savior of your soul in the face and say, There is nothing more that I can do to grow. Is that you this morning? Do you know why that can't be us this morning? Do you know why that's not me this morning either? The reason we're not effective, the reason we're not fruitful in our walk is because we suffer from spiritual. It's because so often as we go through our day, we forget the gospel. We forget its magnitude. Where does John 316 play in when you get cut off the track? Where does John three sixteen play in when you come home and you found out that the crock pot was supposed to be on? And nothing is done. Where does John 3.16 play in when it's time for promotion and the other guy guy who's less qualified gets it? Brothers and sisters, we suffer from spiritual amnesia. And I want you to see also that it is no coincidence that Peter has this list in the way that he has Do you remember some of the conversations Peter has with Christ? Lord, how many times should I forgive somebody? Because I do it, seven. That's very moral of you, Peter. That's very moral, Peter. Your, Your virtue is good, Peter, but are you growing in other areas of your life, Peter? Because I say not only seven, but seven times 70, or whatever it was, just an astronomical number, right? Meaning, continuously. Or knowledge. Peter meets with new disciples and he says, Well, that's not okay to eat those those foods. You gotta eat the Jewish food. Well, not really, Peter. See, your knowledge needs to increase. Self control. Need I say more about Peter? Steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, but then there's love. As we continue, we'll come back to that. For if these qualities, in verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Some of you are going to be old enough for this next demonstration, Some of you aren't. There is a cartoon character that was uh, put out in 1949 by UPA Studios. By the way, this cartoon was nominated for Academy Award for Best Animated Film, which is the Oscars, and he won uh, the award twice. Um, He's voiced by Jim Bacchus, and you know him well by Mr. J. Quincy Magoo, a.k.a. Mr. Magoo. If there was ever a picture of somebody who was nearsighted to the point of blindness, it would have to be old brother Magoo. Think of the mishaps. Think of the comedy that we have had over the years. But brother and sister, there's nothing funny about this kind of nearsightedness that Peter's talking about. What he's talking about here is we are so focused on the things of this world that we are not pursuing the things of the next. We're so focused that that roast isn't done that it leads us to act in a manner that is ungodly, uncharitable, unpeaceable to our husband who's just simply hungry. Or for that matter, it allows us as men to then interact with our wives that are ways that are not godly or peaceable or good because we are so self-focused. Or fill in the blank for you. We are blind. (laughs) We have our sights set on ourselves rather than others. We have our sights set on this world rather than the world to come. We have our sights set on our current condition rather than on our future glory. It says here when we are suffering from spiritual amnesia, we are ineffectual and unfruitful. And that, beloved, is a very piteous state to be. So what is the remedy? I had my alarm set for 32 minutes. We're going longer. So here's what it says. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. Therefore, he says, because of this, Peter knowing this. Remember, Peter is the guy who denied Jesus three times. And he says, therefore, then we need to be more diligent. And so here's the good news. All of us in this room today has somewhere we can grow. Aren't you thankful for God's word today that has exposed an area in your life where very, This very hour, you can put into practice and grow. I am. When I was studying this, I was. When I had my elders meeting and I did the pre-preach to them for our elders meeting because I was so excited about it. I was. I was excited that there's an area in my life now that he is holding me accountable and I get to grow. I hope that you are too. Again, you can say amen if you want to. That's all right. But more diligent. We can be more diligent now. And this is what I want for you today. This is what I want for the folks over at Allegan Bible today. He says that if we do this, we will confirm our call. We're going to be able to prove our election. We're going to be able to prove that we really are saints of God. If we work on these things, it's more than just mouth service. You've heard the term, the proof is in the pudding, or actions speak louder than words. This is the way that you can, without a shadow of a doubt, understand, know, believe, and trust that you are saved. That at the end of your life, you don't have to wonder on the deathbed, am I really his? Because you will see the fruit in your life. And others will around you. They will say, there is no doubt that this person is now walking the streets of glory. And then he says, if then you will never fall. Please, please, God, please. I do not want to treat my wife harshly. I do not want to treat my sons and daughter harshly. I do not want to misjudge people when they come to the congregation. I do not want to misjudge the man on the street corner. I want to be charitable. I want to be peaceable. I want to be gentle. I want to be hopeful. I want to have a right response when people ask me things. Be slow to speak and quick to hear. Yes, please, God. And then it says, richly provided an entrance for you, as if it were not rich enough. And so Peter ends, and we will too, with 12 through 15. Therefore, he says, because again, therefore, whenever there's a therefore, just look back, because that's what it's there for, right? Okay, sorry. Anyway, I got like small jokes, so if you guys, I mean, I'm... I'm doing the best I can with that. So here we go. So therefore, he says, because of all these things that we've covered, because, because of the weight of the gospel, because we have been saved by it, because there's fruit for us because of all these things, because Peter understands this firstly and foremostly, and that's why he's writing this to us out of exhortation and encouragement. This is how he ends this section to move on to the rest. Therefore, I intend, please insert your name there. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in the body to stir you up by way of Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, And I will make every effort, he says it again, right? He practices what he preaches like any good pastor should. So I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. That is the goal of your life. That is the reason you were saved. That is the reason you're here. That's the reason you're hearing this message today. This is not just... A pulpit swap that you have to put up with because two pastors think it's a good idea. This is God's word to you today. By no accident. This is not a sermon I have preached before. This is one I have made for you and for me. This is your goal in life. So the question I have is, are you, is your life a witness or a whisper? And I just want to go back to love and remind you who it is who's writing this letter again. This is Peter. Simon Peter. Who back in Matthew, and I don't have these texts up on the slides, so you'll have to trust me or turn there. So make a note so you can check and make sure I'm not feeding you anything wrong. Please, be a Berean. Okay? Matthew twenty-six thirty-four. Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And of course, we all know Pete's answer. No way, bro. Not me. The rest of them might, but not me. I'm hard-headed Peter. I won't do it. And you know the rest of the story, they go to pray, uh, the Judas, the betrayer comes, they take the people, Peter in his hard-headed, zealous ambition without direction pulls his sword out, cuts the guy's ear off, Jesus rebukes him again, they go forward in verse 75 of the same chapter, Matthew 26, verse 75, and Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny times, and he went out and wept bitterly because he did. And Peter decides to hang it up. Peter says, forget it. The cause is gone. Jesus is gone. Jesus is dead. We've wasted our three years, but I know good fishing hole." So he goes and gets back out on the boat, and he gets his nets all ready, and he, he goes out there. And you know this story too, probably, but It's important that we read it together. John 21, 15 through 19. When he had finished breakfast, Jesus says to Simon Peter, who's there on the bank, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And you can almost picture it. The smell of the salt air, the smell of the charcoal fire, as it's dying out. These two men who are sitting on the sand of the beach, with the waves lapping, the seagulls crying, the smell of just-eaten fish. As Jesus points to the pile of them that are too great to number on the side, and he points to them and he says, Peter, do you love me even more than these? These fish? Peter says, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. He said to him, then, then feed my lambs. He said to him a second time. It's almost as as if Jesus didn't hear him, right? If you're hearing the story for the first time, you would be wondering, wait a minute. Jesus asks him again? And a second time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, then therefore tend my sheep. And then if you're hearing this for the first time, you're really wondering what's wrong with Jesus. But the answer is nothing. And so Jesus asks him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now if you've heard this preached before, you've heard them tell you that Jesus used different terms for love in each one of these what you may or may not have heard before, is Jesus specifically calls Peter the son of John. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And so Peter, like us, was now grieved. Because like us, he gets frustrated when he has to answer the same question three times. But also like us, he gets frustrated when the people we care so much about doubt our affections for them. And so his heart is grieved because he feels as if Jesus is beating him up. In front of others, by the way. So Peter is grieved and he says to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 18, truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and carry you to where you don't want to go. Verse 19, this he said to show what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, now follow me. September 11th 2001 I was sitting in my English class the teacher was talking about something I was never a good student (laughs) she was talking about something in English class when the announcement came over the PA system for us to all turn our television sets on so September 11th of 2001 I sat in my English class as a junior watching the World Trade Centers come crashing down. And as a junior, knowing that our lives as Americans were never going to be the same and that we would have to go to war and that if so called upon, I would gladly serve my country. You know, from that day is a saying. Whoa. From that day is a saying. That's all right. You know what? Here's the thing about that. For years and years, they didn't have audible modulation, so we'll do without On that day, there's a saying that has been sprouted up that we all know. It's never forget. And I don't know about you, but if you were alive then, you never will. Every September 11th, you will be reminded of those lives that were lost, of those towers crashing, That is something that will be and has changed America forever. It is ingrained in our nationality forever. Never forget. January 1st, 2007. What's that day? That's the day I knew Jesus. That's the day that's changed not only my life, but my eternity. That is the day that I will never forget. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. That is the day that I will herald from the pulpit, from the street corner, from the prison cell, if it ever be necessary. Never forget. That is the day. This is the day that Peter is talking about here. This is why he says work it out with fear and trembling and in the end is love because that is what jesus was asking him and this is why he says and this I know that my life, my body is soon going to leave, Jesus told me that, so therefore I'm going to make every single effort because I am never going to forget the day when I was outside watching my Savior take the blows that I deserve and I denied Him three times and I'm never going to forget the time that He stood by me on the banks of the river when I chose to fish over the Savior and where He said, do you even love me? I have never, ever. Ever going to forget the way of the gospel? So Peter is writing to you today to say, "Beloved, do not suffer from spiritual amnesia. The gospel is everything." Amen. <laughs> Let's pray. God, Father, we are not worthy to call you Father, and yet through your Son you have given us everything that pertains to not only life, but God, that as you continue to be patient with us and sanctify us through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would keep the gospel paramount, the forefront of our minds, that every day and every hour we would be living out the gospel because this life is short. Our bodies are perishing. And help us to make every effort, not only to supplement our faith with these spiritual fruits, but let us also make every effort to stir up one another. That at the time of our departure, others might be able at any time to recall all of these things. That our life would be a billboard on the roads of other people's walls. May it be said of us, O God, for you are worthy. Father, as we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you know our hearts and you know where we sit with you. And it may be that someone in this room at this very hour does not know the power of this gospel personally yet. So God, I pray that if there is anyone who is here this morning who does not know you as a personal Lord and Savior, who has not experienced a never-forget moment in their hearts, I pray today would be that day. We ask this for your name and for your glory. And lastly, God, I pray that this church, this body of believers, would be a billboard to Adam. They would live their lives in such a way as to show others the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, making every effort to do so. We ask this because this is the purpose for which we were created. It's in your name. We ask. Amen. Amen.